Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of This Week in the World of Football. This is episode number 256 for August 9th, 2022. I'm your host, Randy Snow. On today's show, the NFL preseason kicked off with the playing of the annual Hall of Fame game in Canton, and the NFL has also decided to appeal the six-game suspension of Deshaun Watson after all. In this week's history lesson, we tell the story of two incidents on the gridiron that led to the mandatory use of face masks in football. But I'm not here by myself. Across the table for me, as always, is my son Adam. I'm going to tell you what, man. I'm very excited for Hard Knocks tonight, man. <laughs> Are you channeling Dan Campbell? I've been channeling Dan Campbell ever since he became <laughs> head coach. No, so, I mean, I, I was always kind of bullish about the Lions getting and putting on Hard Knocks, you know, mm. for years. I was like, nope, don't want to do it. Don't want anything to do with it. Yeah. Keep us as far away from hard knocks right. as possible. Yeah, I was the same. And gosh darn it, if I'm not excited for tonight, I, I am, can't. I mean, I keep, technically I, I won't watch it till tomorrow, but I'm excited for the internet to just blow up and just. <laughs> there's already been on well, fire because yeah, so of many lo- clips have already been put out yeah, there on Twitter and it's Facebook and. People are actually like feeling. Ho- so this is the thing, and we'll talk about it more because we're gonna have a special episode of the world of football tomorrow. Uh, kind of giving our thoughts and recapping the episode, probably mm-hmm. just talking about it. Yeah. And if y'all tweet about it at us, we'll talk about your tweets. That's what I'm yeah, thinking we'll if, do. Yeah, if you watch the show tonight, because we're not watching it tonight, we're going to watch it tomorrow. I'm sure we'll put up something. But, yeah, tweet at us. Use the hashtag Hard Knocks, but tweet at TWOF Kalamazoo on Twitter, and uh, we'll try to share your thoughts on that episode, too. Yeah, we'll see if uh, everybody liked it as much as we did. Yeah, because we'll see what happens. But, man, I'm, I, I can't believe I'm excited. It is like the night before Christmas. <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. It's a really weird feeling, but we got a lot to talk about, so let's get to it. All right. We come to you each week from the World of Football Man Cave, located right here in the center of the football world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. We're here to promote the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. Our goal is to educate, inform, and entertain our listeners with the glorious buffet that is the world of football. All this while keeping a close eye on the rich history of the game. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on one of our many platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and YouTube, where we post the entire audio portion of this show, as well as other selected videos. So let's begin today's show with Adam and the World of Football Scoreboard. That's right, and as usual, we're going to start this week up in Canada. That's right, we're going to talk about the Canadian Football League. It was week nine up there. And on Thursday, saw the Winnipeg Blue Bombers defeat the Montreal Alouettes 35-20, to remaining, sorry, Winnipeg remaining the perfect team they've been yeah. all season long. Yep. Uh, and then Montreal, on the other hand, they played well in the first half. You know, they hung with the two-time defending undefeated Grey Cup <laughs> champions. Got to keep adding to the list of their, their names. It's becoming like a Game of Thrones mm. title, but... Uh, so they played well in the first half. They intercepted a couple of passes. They recovered a fumble. And, you know, the score was tied 14-all at the end of the third quarter. But they play a fourth quarter, everybody, mm-hmm. and that's when Winnipeg scored three times, including a 57-yard punt return for a touchdown by Janarian Grant. How about that play? Yeah. That was something special. Yep. And then Winnipeg quarterback Zach Caleros uh, threw for 210 yards and two touchdowns. And those three pesky interceptions 
uh, but still got the win out of that one. So yeah, it was even with three interceptions, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers can't be stopped. They just keep finding a way to win. I mean, yeah. you, you throw three interceptions in a game. He only threw for 210 yards. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at, but still, it wasn't a dominating game. You know, like you said, uh, uh, tied 14-14 at the end of three quarters. But somehow, this team just keeps finding a way to win. Yeah. Whatever it takes, whatever they or have to do. Or is it Montreal do. finding another way to lose? Because we've <sighs> seen Montreal just kind of implode on themselves. Yeah, like they're looking it, great. It was it was a good game through three quarters, yeah. but, but my, uh, Winnipeg showed why they're the best. And boy, I don't see anybody beating them here. <laughs> this early <laughs> in the season, soon. no. The, these other teams got to start buckling up and yeah. you know trying early to figure the, out what they need to do. The season's half over. It's not yeah. early in the season. It's it's early in the year. But well, the, the season's so long. I still consider this early. Halfway right. is still early in the season. Yeah. You know, from here on out, you got to start figuring your stuff out. I think but, I also heard that they're only the fourth team that's ever gone nine and zero since mm. the CFL uh, became a separate. Has there ever been entity. an undefeated team in the CFL? I don't think so. So I don't, th- see, I don't know, wa- but I don't think so. Are we witnessing history? Time will wow. tell. Yeah, we'll see. Then on Friday night, the Calgary Stampeders took out the Ottawa Red Blacks seventeen to three. This was a game that saw no offensive touchdowns for either team. Uh, so apologies if you ended up sitting through this one. Calgary kicker Rene Paredes kicked a 51-yard field goal in the first quarter and a 36-yarder in the second. Uh, while Calgary defensive back Titus Wall intercepted a pass late in the second quarter and returned it 46 yards for a touchdown to make it the, uh, to make the score 13 to nothing going into the half in favor of Calgary. On the other side of the ball, Ottawa's only scorer was a 24-yard field goal by Lewis Ward with about five minutes remaining. Uh, then uh, another thing of note, Calgary head coach Dave Dickinson missed the game due to COVID-19. Yeah, it's still uh, out there, people. Special teams coordinator Mark Killam served as the acting head coach for the game. So, yeah, this is going to be something I still think will pop its ugly head in every once in a while yeah. in the NFL. So Yeah, we'll see. You know, I don't think we're going to see this, the kind of situations this last year in the NFL anyway. That, they're they're that, going to turn these guys around a lot a lot faster, especially if they've been vaccinated. Like, oh, you get it on a Monday, we could get you in by Friday. So right, yeah. as long as it's not like a last-second thing, I mean, yeah. I'm sure they'll – you know, this will be minimal. But, but like I said, it's still there. It's, it's still, still out there. there. People are still getting infected. Um, some people still don't want their shots, which I don't understand. But, uh, you know, it's it's still there. It has not gone away, and it probably won't be going away anytime soon. All right. And in our CFL game of the week, as I'm dubbing it, because I actually got to sit down and watch this game, <laughs> uh, the Toronto Argonauts came back to defeat the Hamilton Tiger Cats 34-20. to What a game this actually ended up being. Yeah. Uh, it was a fairly close game through three quarters, and Hamilton led 17-6 to going into the fourth quarter. 17-16. 17-16. My apologies. Misread that one. Uh, but in the fourth quarter, Toronto blocked a punt, and it was returned by defensive lineman Benoit, uh, or Benoit. Yeah. Uh, uh, Marion. I, I was going to say Benoit, but Ben. It might Benoit be Benoit Marion. Marion. 24 yards for a touchdown. Then defensive back Chris Edwards intercepted a pass and returned it 40 yards for a touchdown to secure the win for Toronto at the end of the game. Yep. Uh, th- I mean, even then, Toronto was down for a while. And when I started watching, yeah. they started chipping away. They were down like, oh, 17 to six or something i right, think at yeah. one point they you know started yeah. chipping you know. they had the lead you know not a big lead but you know not insurmountable obviously right. but but by the fourth quarter you know uh, it was uh it was definitely a tale of two halves uh, hamilton and they even showed the stats during the game hamilton has been a first half team you know mm-hmm. they they put up big numbers in the first half yep that second half is a total di- total different scenario yeah um but uh, Toronto quarterback McLeod Bethel-Thompson threw for 230 yards and a touchdown, while Hamilton quarterback Dane Evans threw for 303 yards in the loss. The two teams will play again this week in Hamilton, 
And we already saw some bad blood during the game, I believe. We even saw a guy get ejected. So mm. get ready. This is the best rivalry in oh, yeah, the these, CFL. <laughs> Toronto and Hamilton don't like each other. I yeah. mean, they're so close together, you know, like a, about a half hour, 45 minute drive apart. Uh, and the, the teams and the fans just really don't like each other. So uh, this should be interesting. Yep, and as I yawn, ugh. yeah, I thought these were the second best highlights. Yeah. Oh, of the you week. thought these were the second best? Yes, because uh, saving the best for last, this, this oh. the highlights for this next game I thought were the best of the week. All right, well, according to Randy, this next game, the British Columbia Lions defeating the Edmonton Elks forty-six to fourteen. British Columbia quarterback Nathan Rourke threw for five touchdowns in the first half of the game. Underlined bold exclamation <laughs> point. However, you need to. Five touchdowns in the first in half. The first half, incredible. Yeah. Uh, three of them went to wide receiver Dominique Rhymes, uh, and yeah. then three touchdowns for him in the first half. Yeah, that's <laughs> wow. amazing. And then on British Columbia side, wide receiver Lucky Whitehead, a name that I always love hearing. Been a while since we've heard his name. Yep. Uh, also caught six passes in the game for 148 yards, including uh, a 69-yard touchdown in the second quarter. Rourke completed 34 of 37 passes for 477 yards and five passing touchdowns. He also ran for another, so six touchdowns on the day for him, pretty good. What didn't this? If you had him on your game? Canadian fantasy <laughs> yeah. team, you did really good. Absolutely. Uh, then British Columbia even attempted a rare fake field goal in the first quarter. Yeah, and I couldn't believe that when I saw that in the highlights. I don't think I've ever seen a fake field goal and I in the be- CFL. And I can't believe that uh, there's no notes in here for. Uh, the Edmonton team. This is yeah. all. It was all British yeah, Columbia. Yeah, it, it was all the Nathan Rourke show. It didn't matter what uh, what Edmonton did. They oh. just uh, they, they played hard. They played well, but there were so many like uh, fumbles and uh, interceptions and uh, just weird weird little plays uh, during this game. That's why I thought these were the best highlights because there were so many quirky little things that happened uh, from both sides of the ball. So uh, these were the best highlights of the week, even though it was kind of a beat down by. My British Kinda. Columbia. Uh, <laughs> I think this classifies as a pure beatdown. Yeah. Well, if you're going to watch any of these highlights, uh, go to cfl.ca and check out the British Columbia. Hey, even win. a blowout presents Check out some this great Nathan Rourke highlights. kid. He's, he's in his second year, uh, basically you know, a rookie and a half, but, man, is he good. He is good. Yep, I'm liking Rourke. Uh, and then on bye this week, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who will travel to Edmonton to play those Elks next week. Hopefully the Elks... Uh, Put on a better show yeah. than they did this week. Yeah, I think you get their act together. All right, then looking at the standings real quick. Because of that win, Toronto sits atop the East with a 4-3 and three record, followed by the 2-6 and six Tiger Cats, the 2-6 and six Alouettes, and the 1-7 and seven Red Blacks. Now, there's a, a division for you, that East division. Wow, oh, boy. they're all so close. Only three games separate the, the top team and the bottom The team. East is pretty much just, you know, <laughs> let's see how bad we can be yeah. and still win the division. Yeah. That's what that division's They're ended up being. The best of being. the worst. And then on the other side, it is the cream of the crop, the best of the best. Winnipeg at 9-0 and on the top of that West division, followed by the 6-1 and British Columbia Lions, whose only loss was to... Winnipeg. Yep, and then the Calgary Stampeders next with a 5-2 and two record, whose two losses were only to... Winnipeg. Uh-huh, and then the Saskatchewan <laughs> Rough Riders at 4-4, four and four, and the Edmonton Elks at 2-6. and six. And why did you sound like the Budweiser Frog at that point? I don't know. That was a weird, <laughs> I don't was a weird choice. But, guys, that's that's it for the scoreboard? Uh, yeah, uh, next week we'll no have... Na- yeah, I was going to say, there's no National Arena League because their right. championship game is next yeah. week. No indoor football league because their championship's next week. Yep, um, so we'll and have then scores next week. We do have some NFL preseason, but we're going to kind of lump all that in with the Hall of Fame weekend here in a second. So we're going to jump over to Randy... 
with the news. Yeah, uh, starting out in NFL news, there was a game, an NFL game actually played. The Pro Football Hall of Fame game in Canton was played after a about a 45-minute rain delay. Yeah, they had some lightning. Tuned in to watch this, and I just had to sit around and watch a stick in 45-minute yeah. <laughs> rain delay. Yeah. But uh, in the end, it was the Las Vegas Raiders over the Jacksonville Jaguars, twenty-seven to eleven. Nobody cares uh, about the score. <laughs> you know, we only this is the only preseason uh, game that we talk about uh, all year. Um, preseason, we, we don't care. Hall of Fame game is kind of cool because it's the start of the season. Uh, it was kind of cool knowing that we've been in that stadium now, and especially and, so recently. Yeah, and you know, you see, you see. Uh, uh, views from different angles, and you go, oh, wow, we, we were sitting right over there and, and had a great time. And, and it's a really nice stadium if you ever get a chance to go see a game there. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. About 23,000 is what it seats, and a uh, uh, very nice venue. But, yeah, all the speeches. I didn't get a chance to see all the speeches uh, uh, on Saturday. Uh, I caught some of the highlights. Uh, of course, Dick Vermeil, I knew was Oh, yeah, Dick Vermeil had some of the best uh, ones. The they, best. I think the, the NFL even, one. NFL's Instagram even put together a compilation of all the Thank yous he had in his speech alone. It was like a minute of just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and he said he he was forgetting a bunch of people too, or didn't have time to get to everybody. But but yeah, he was pretty cool. And then when you think about it, seeing Dick Vermeil, you know, and, and all the other guys who are part of that greatest show on turf now in the Hall of Fame, just mm-hmm. man, it makes me go back. And I'm, this must be how you feel sometimes. Like man, I remember the greatest show on turf back <laughs> in the day. What a collection of dudes they yeah. had on that team. What a great set of players that would eventually become Hall of Famers. Like, man, and when you're living in that moment, you're not thinking, look at all these Hall of Famers. It's just, dang, I'm watching a really good football team right now. Well, yeah, and Kurt Warner was there too, of course. And oh, that, yeah, he, that was, he's, he's one of the guys. So I'm wondering, you know, if if they hadn't won that Super Bowl, would either of those two guys be in the Hall of Fame right now? You know, that that's, one season and that one question. Super Bowl got both of those two well, they, guys in the Hall of Fame, that, I believe. I think that winning the Super Bowl helped. Oh, I think sure. what also helps is they were good. They were good for a few seasons. I mean, yeah. they went to the Super Bowl the very next year and lost to the Patriots. Right. Uh, you know, they were heavy favorites in that one. So if it weren't for the Patriots dynasty becoming a thing, right. it could have been the greatest show on turf dynasty. Yep. So, but I mean, regardless, you even look at Dick Vermeil's resume. I mean, that like they mentioned it in his little introduction thing was he revived so many bad football teams into good teams. Like what was it? The chiefs. He did the same yep. with the Eagles. Yep. And then doing that with the Rams, I mean, obviously his only Super Bowl win was with the Rams. But the fact he turned teams around, that's a good coach. I mean, it's so hard to win a Super Bowl. There's only 50-something Super Bowls. Like, (laughs) only one out of the 30 teams is going to end up winning it every year. So, I mean, still a heck of an achievement by that guy. And I think their whole Hall of Fame class, I saw some bits and pieces from all the speeches. Typically good speeches, but I noticed that the crowd didn't look as packed as it was for a Peyton Manning Mm. slash... Calvin Johnson slash right. Charles Woods. Uh, yeah. Last year was a pretty stacked one, right? And I think next year they uh, they already said who the uh, you know kind of the eligible guys were going to be going into next year's Hall of right. Fame, like Darrell Revis right. and a couple other guys. I'm like, oh gosh, yeah, these guys are shoe shoe wins. Next year's going to be a big year for the Hall of Fame. So yeah, I'm really glad that Sam Mills made the oh, Hall Sam of Fame. Mills, yep. Yeah, and they told his story. You know, he was cut by. Uh, a couple of teams. He went up to Canada and got cut by Toronto. He went to the USFL. had a, had a couple of really good seasons in the USFL, and uh, and that's when he you know got picked up by New Orleans and uh, and uh, Carolina Panthers. And yeah, I remember him in the USFL. He was fantastic. Just you know, an undersized linebacker, but man, could he play? He was awesome. And I was so glad when he got a shot in the NFL. And boy, did he make the most of it. And 
you know, there's a statue of him, I guess, outside the uh, Panther Stadium. Say, isn't he one, like the only Carolina Panther in the Hall of Fame, or one of two? I saw like a stat of saying like how many teams have yeah. guys in the Hall of Fame. I I don't recall. I I did post that um, that graphic. Um, it came from like Fox Sports uh, on our Twitter feed that, that talked about how many Hall of Famers for each each team. I don't recall. I know that uh, uh, Tony Baselli was the first uh, Jaguar to get into the Hall of Fame. And I think there's two teams that don't have anybody in the Hall of Fame yet. Um, the Texans being Yeah, one. the Texans and Jaguars are two. Uh, I'm not sure how up to date this list looks like. Uh, but the Panthers have... Yeah, Panthers, That that's like one of their first guys to go in the Hall mm, of Fame. That I okay. think, is, if this is accurate, this, this could be an old graphic. But I could have mm. that's the same one I came across okay. Well, yeah, the Panthers Twitter. and Jaguars came in the same time. Um, whatever year that was. But 1995, 90, 95, I believe. okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so they're you know relatively new along with... Uh, uh, the Texans, so it would make sense they might not have a whole lot of uh, Hall of Famers uh, in the in the Hall of Fame yet, but uh, but yeah, it was from the highlights that I saw. It looked like a, it was a really good time. The weather looked great. Um, it seems like it's always good weather for Hall of Fame. It weekend usually does. I, I can't remember the last ceremony that was ever like rained out. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. You don't. You just don't see that, Ken. So, but uh, I, I think you know. I'm just scrolling through right now, trying to find that graphic, and man. I might not have sat down and watched everything, but good for these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, all those guys who went in. So you got Tony Vaselli, Cliff Branch, Leroy Butler, Art McNally, Sam Mills, Richard Seymour. He had some good stories. Dick Vermeil, Bryant Young. So a bunch of great, just a good collection. I think this year's yeah, not going to stand out like play. last year, but it's a good collection mm-hmm. of uh, dudes. And I'm, try- I'm trying really hard to scroll through and see if I can't find that graphic. I'm re- yes, okay. So <laughs> finally, I scrolled through and I found it because it's in. It's actually in order. So um, the teams. Can you guess at least the team with the most Hall of Fame? Uh, Patriots probably or Cowboys. The Chicago Bears with Clearly. 30. Come on, okay. now. the NFL's been around a while. Okay. 30 Hall of Famers for the Bears. 27 for the Packers, hmm. and then 26 for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, then at the bottom you have the Houston Texans with. Zero. Mm-hmm. You have the Panthers with zero. I guess now one of Sam Mills counts. Yeah. Then the Cincinnati Bengals and Jacksonville Jaguars both with one. Mm. So, because yeah, because oh, because yeah, Baselli comes walking down. Maybe that's what I was thinking of. Baselli was walking down, you know, because the Jags were playing in the game. So mm. that's their first Hall of Famer. Yeah. So good for them. Yeah. Okay, moving on to some other NFL news. Uh, the NFL, who originally said they were not going to appeal the six-game suspension uh, handed down by an arbitrator on Deshaun Watson. Oh, don't tell me they changed their mind. They changed their mind. Oh, my gosh. And now they are going to appeal, and they've already um, selected somebody to look into this, and uh, Roger Goodell picked a uh, former... Oh God! I it was like a New it. Jersey... Uh, yeah, uh, attorney or yeah. Um, attorney general, maybe for the state of New Jersey. I don't yep. I can't remember. Something but, like that. But yeah, and it sounds like he's uh, he's going to give the guy whatever Roger Dell wants him to have. Just when we thought we were out of the woods, we were like kind of <laughs> we could start putting this behind us, then this all went yeah, down. Yeah, this is going to drag on oh my because gosh. the now the NFL player players association has has said that they're going to sue the NFL over this whole fiasco. You know, if if they didn't have the um, the opportunity to um, appeal, you know, both sides had the opportunity to, to appeal, but it seems like once you go to an arbitrator, aren't you supposed to 
uh, go along with whatever the arbitrator says. You know, hey, we might not like it. That's but, what. I, that's but it, to my understanding what I thought their agreement was. Despite though they did both have this option to have an, an appeal if they yeah. felt like they needed to. But like we were saying last week, I thought that it was like, look, as much as you want a bigger suspension for him, why appeal it? That's just going to cause a bigger headache. And the NFL chose the bigger headache. Yeah. So as much as I agree that it should have been a longer suspension, oh, yeah. I know a lot of people feel that way. Uh, you know, I, boy, part of me would second guess, like, look, we, the arbitrator says six games. Let's just put this headache behind us and move on. Yeah. But we'll see what happens now. It, it, I, it's going to get messier. Yeah, it <laughs> so. is going to get messy. And. It's going to be a distraction. And does that mean Deshaun, if they don't get this settled in time, does Deshaun play week one? Well, yeah, I I think you can still play while your appeal's going on. So he'll probably start the season. So there we go with that situation. And he might be yanked. But then the big big rumor that I saw going around was that the NFL really wants 12 games Mm -hmm. because that 12th game is against the Houston Texans. Mm, yeah. They really want to avoid Deshaun playing Houston yeah. for some reason. Yeah. That's like the one game supposedly that they want them not to play hmm. or him to play. Well, so I, I, don't know. I think the NFL is pushing for an entire season and, and make him have to reapply to come back. In or the at the league. minimum 12. I'm like I said, I, th- yeah. that rumor is that they at least want a minimum of 12. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. But like uh, I said, yeah. it's going to be a Gosh, mess. when we just thought we w- when it was over. Yeah. Uh, the NFL also came out and said that it wants its officials to emphasize illegal contact fouls this season. I guess uh, there were an average of 97 penalties for illegal contact called between 2000 and 2020, but there were only 36 fouls called last season. Hmm. You know, and, and this is this is mainly where uh, a defender is running down the sideline with a wide receiver, and he's not supposed to touch him after five yards, and they're not calling the illegal contact. You know that. It's like, well, let's just let them play. Yeah, there's a lot of hand jockeying going on, and they're they're pushing and shoving each other. And and I think uh, the NFL just says, hey, you know, why why not be calling these things more? And so they've asked the officials to at least look look for those types of penalties. So we'll see how that goes. Early this on is what the they're worried about when they instead should be getting rid of this nonsense BS, roughing the passer stuff. When you just graze a helmet. Yeah, I'm sick of that stuff. Yeah. If it looks egregious, yeah, throw the flag. Sure. But if a dude is just like. Like holding his hands up, like oopsie! Like I'm yeah. not trying to hit the quarterback, and his hand just grazes the yeah, helmet. You touch the helmet with your pinky. Oh my god! Oh my god! That's a flag. You're the worst person. Especially in the world. if you're in a Detroit Lions uniform, it seems practically <laughs> automatic. Like, just utterly, I am sick of the yeah, utterly ridiculous stuff. They never cool. emphasize the stuff that fans complain about. Like, mm-hmm. it's always this other stuff that's like, no, okay, we're fine with. I'm fine with this hand jockeying or whatever, or like a little bit of contact here and there, as long as it's not impacting like a guy's route, like let the guys kind of play, let a defender defend, let a wide receiver try to get open. If it's egregious, yeah, throw the flag. But I mean, come on, these wide receivers are all freak athletes. Anyway, I'm pretty sure you could throw a, a hot potato at them. They're still going to catch it with a dude in his face. Like, come on, like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see how that goes too. Uh, that'll probably be a whole non-issue this whole season. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. People we've will, heard that in the past. People will forget all about this in, in a week. We've heard that where they want to emphasize something and it was a, not even a big deal. Maybe it is for like a week and then it yeah. just kind of and the, yeah. And the, I don't think this came out of any rules committee meeting. So no, you know, I don't think so either. I don't know where this is coming from, but that was a story that came out this week. All right. Uh, every year we have to tell the same story. The Dallas Cowboys are the most valuable sports team in the world. I think this is uh, at least the third year in a row, if not, you know, tenth year in a row. Yeah. And this is according to something called Sportico, 
which I'd never even heard of Sportico until a couple of weeks ago. But, you know, this used to be the annual Forbes list. Right. You know, it came out in Forbes magazine. Maybe that Forbes year. list is still coming. I don't know. Is, is that what they are now? Is the no Forbes idea. become Sportico? No, I Forbes no is still idea. Forbes. No idea. But anyway, they're saying that the Dallas Cowboys are valued at $7.64 billion. And then uh, on the list that I saw, it listed the New York Yankees as second at $7 billion. But in the years past, they would come out with two lists. You know, they'd come out with, you know... All sports teams. All sports teams in the world, and then just the NFL. So it'd be two separate lists. But this year, uh, they just came out, at least the one that I saw anyway. Um, They didn't mention any other teams other than the Cowboys and the Yankees. You know, they didn't mention any of those European soccer teams, you know, uh, uh, what is it... um, uh, Manchester United or, or all the all the big soccer clubs over there in Europe. So I don't know who else you know made this top ten list, but they did have the complete list of the NFL teams. So of course Dallas is number one. The Rams are at number two at five point nine one billion. You get a nice by, billion dollar state, you know. Yeah. that really helps. And yep. winning a Super Bowl seems to help yeah. them too. Yeah, all the, you know, all the merchandise and everything. Sure, but New England Patriots at three. Giants at four, 49ers at five, the Bears at six, valued at $5 billion, uh, the Jets at seven, the Washington Commanders at $4.78 billion, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, and rounding out the top ten, the Denver Broncos at $4.65 billion. Yeah. So, you know, you've got some teams that are, you know, winners year in and year out, and then you've got a team like the Bears and the Jets and the Commanders that... You know, haven't haven't I, done I, real well lately. Usually goes with the the city they're playing for. That's true. And, That's I mean, true. if you think about it, the Broncos didn't win. I mean, the Broncos won a Super Bowl not that long ago, so they could mm. still be feeling residual from that. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles won a Super Bowl not that long ago. Uh, the Commanders are one that they've always kind of been up there. I don't know how or why, but they've always had a big fan base. The Jets, mm. okay, the Jets honestly baffle me. <laughs> the Bears kind of baffle me. The Niners have been pretty consistent. Yeah, been, you know, California team. That's also playoff teams. You know. But I mean, I'm just going through this list. Like, how are the Houston Texans at number eleven? Is that a, a, a like a <laughs> Texas? Is that a Texas I factor? Know. I don't. I don't know. know. But then you look at the bottom. Let's go jump to the bottom of the list. Yeah, of course, our Detroit Lions are down there at number thirty-one with two point eight six billion dollars. That's still mm. nothing to sneeze at. But this team just played in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and. Uh, We've seen a big fan base, you know, come out of the woodwork for this one. But how are the Cincinnati Bengals just sitting at the last spot at two point eight four billion? Yeah, I, I mean, and with this new stadium deal, does that increase it now? Are they going to be a crack in a three billion number next year? Yeah, are we going to see a shift at the bottom? Are the Lions now going to be the <laughs> lowest of the low? But then you got the Jacksonville Jaguars at thirty uh, with the two, Bills with two point nine four. Yeah, then the Bills right above them at twenty nine with two point nine nine. So those those four teams there are yet to crack the three bill mark. So hmm. we'll see. Yeah, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at twenty four too. Man. Oh yeah, they just this, won a Super Bowl. Yeah, this, that's crazy. This list, you know, I I didn't. All but then I, you all also I think, was... you also think about it though. A lot of those numbers are getting pretty close together. So it's just a matter of like, right? Okay, you're yeah. three point five four for the Kansas City Chiefs at number twenty. Right. It's just a little bit more than the Ravens three point four three five. You know. So we're we're talking about like a couple of sacks of cash that Scrooge McDuck's right. throwing around. Right, is well, the difference between these two teams? Yeah, look at the difference between number one and number two: Dallas four point six four four billion, and number two Los Angeles five point one uh, five point nine one billion. So there's a couple billion dollars. Well, that's at the top. I think so. The Cowboys might be the lone exception to be like. Well, well, well but the, then look at that. Every, everybody else, the, the next few are all five billion dollars. So you get down to the Bears at number six. Then they drop into the four billion dollar mark. 
And everybody's $4 billion until you get down to number 17, Atlanta. That's when you break into the $3 billion mark. And then the $2 billion mark starts with number 29 at, at the Bills. So, I don't know. Like I said, I just I just saw the list. I didn't see, uh, you know, this was something on Twitter or whatever. So I didn't have all the statistics on how they came up with this number. You know, what did they factor in to come up with that number? I'm sure somebody went um, to every stadium, grabbed all their receipts, sat down, <laughs> yeah. added it all up on their... Uh, uh, abacus. Abacus. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. You knew exactly where I was going with that visual. So I'm sat sure down with their a, abacus. I'm sure there's a formula, but I just they I set don't their sundial so that when the when the sundial goes from the top to the bottom, mm-hmm. you know, they'll stop counting. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this, I, this is interesting. We talk about this every year, and you know, it's always the Cowboys, and you know, a few teams at the top, and then there's everybody else, and of course, Detroit's always right there at the bottom somewhere as far as team value but we'll see after they win the super bowl this year uh where they actually put the, the lions at uh-huh let's not get too cocky <laughs> let's get through hard knocks first there buddy all right let's see uh amazon is teaming up with some a uh, bunch of guys called dude perfect some youtubers for alternate thursday night streams uh, i'm not familiar with these guys yeah, we were they... looking them up because like i was like who are these guys uh they only have um uh, 58.1 million subscribers on YouTube <laughs> posting 297 videos as I'm looking at their their page. I don't know any of these guys. Like I might have seen a couple of the videos in the past. I don't know. I mean, well, this is... I don't think there's anything special enough about these guys. And I could be wrong. I mean, there's literally 58 million people who are watching their stuff. Hmm. So is this the NFL just being like, let's just give every YouTuber a, a chance to host – uh, an NFL game or whatever. You know what? Get Rhett and Link from Good Mythical Morning on there. I'd watch that. Are you kidding me? These guys who aren't really into sports ball and they talk sports, I'm into it. Let's well, do it. Obviously, Amazon is trying to bring in the younger crowd, You know, the, the YouTube watchers and the uh, millennials and whatnot. But uh, like I said, I'd never heard of these guys. And from what little I know about them, they sound like a bunch of jackass wannabes. Uh, maybe. I, I don't know. I'd rather watch the jackass guys do a game, to be honest <laughs> well, with you. Well, maybe they'll be on there, too. Johnny Knoxville and, and Steve-O doing a game? Yeah. I'm all into that. But, you know, Look, they're not... They have a video from three weeks ago, these uh, dude perfect guys. Six million views three weeks ago for a video. What was it called? What were they doing? Uh, Bucket List Desert. Uh, then they had one a month ago called Model Rocket Battle 3. Uh, 15 million views. So it's not, I mean, clearly these guys have an audience. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether or not they jive with us personally, I mean, hey, I'm sure there's some other people out there who like these guys. And but. and these guys, these dude perfect guys are not going to be on every broadcast. They might do a couple and they don't have a schedule for, you know, what games they're going to do. And this, this is just one of many different uh, uh, alternate streams that they're going to have for people to watch. Excuse me, or to listen to on the game for through Amazon. So well, it's just it's just one of many. Well, but I'd never heard of these guys. Well, speaking of alternate broadcast, what about the Peyton Manning Pat McAfee uh, partnership for the McAfee casts doing college football this season? I have not heard about that. Oh man, you need to look that up. I'm looking at their thumbnail for. That. I'm like, how did we not talk about this? <laughs> the McAfee broadcast. Uh, They'll be simulcasting six, uh, as he quotes, big ass, six big ass college football games. Uh, so there's a video of him talking with Peyton Manning about it. So uh, are they coming to Western Michigan? I don't know, but they said, game. they said big games. They said big games. But I'd be into that 
so I'm surprised we didn't talk about that on mm. talking about alternate broadcasting. Yeah. Well, I haven't heard anything about the Manning brothers coming back yet. Oh, uh, come on. I thought they you, had a you assume they they will be doing alternate broadcasts on ESPN. Oh, for yeah. I'm sure maybe the couple weeks we'll get some more details on that. Yeah. So. Yeah, a little early yet. All right, uh, here's a story you don't want to talk about. Boo! Ravens kicker Justin Boo! Tucker signs a four-year, $24 million contract extension with the Ravens. Uh, $17.5 million is guaranteed with, a, with an $11.5 million signing bonus. This now makes him the highest-paid kicker in the NFL. We're talking about a kicker. <laughs> A he stinking has, kicker. He has one lucky shot. One lucky kick that hit a goal post and got the, in. It wasn't even a clean. It wasn't even a switch. It was man. a delay of game call that should have been it. made on that play. Please <laughs> just whatever. Look, the dude deserve it. Deserves it. He's probably the best kicker in the game. Yeah, uh, yeah, I get it. I'm a little bitter for being in the stadium when his record breaking kick happened, and I. You know, you were as much in that I, end zone. I was in that end zone, watching looking, the ball come right to you. Don't tell me what I saw because I saw it. Trust me. <laughs> so whatever. I mean, dude's getting paid. He's going to be somebody's number one kicker in fantasy football. That's all this is. All right, I'm done talking about Justin Tucker. <laughs> okay. Screw um, you, Justin Tucker. <laughs> and lastly, in NFL news this week, Paul Brown Stadium in Cincinnati will now be known as Paycor Stadium. Another. Corporate name going on a, a a classic stadium that should never happen. This baffles me. And from what I understand, this is a 17-year agreement with Paycor, uh, even though no ter- no terms were agreed or announced, so we don't know how much they're paying for it. But a 17-year agreement to take Paul Brown's name off a stadium. The man founded the team. He founded two, two teams. NFL teams in the state of Ohio. He had his name on both stadiums, and now all of a sudden, oh, we don't care about Paul Brown and his history anymore. We want our money, so let's go to Paycor, and let's make it Paycor Stadium. Yeah, I have no I idea. I hate this so much. I have no idea. I didn't even bother to look up uh, to see how NFL Twitter felt about this. It's uh, terrible. But, you know, years uh, ago, there was talk about uh, Soldier Field getting a, a corporate sponsor, and I remember distinctly um, them saying, "You know, we've decided that we want to be, uh, we don't want to tarnish the memory of the soldiers that we're honoring at the stadium. So we're always going to be Soldier Field, and they've never put a corporate name on it since. So, uh, not to say it won't happen sometime in the future, but I really respected the Bears for doing that. Um, I just, I just, I the, hate this. So I, I, I think I also saw that the Bengals were looking at adding a bunch of stuff to the stadium too, mm. like uh, converting some area to like a nightclub kind of area. They're really looking at hipping up the joint. Mm. Um, so maybe this has something to do with it. Maybe yeah. it has something to do with them trying to get into the three billion dollar club, like we were talking about <laughs> a minute ago. But uh, yeah, to even not even just call it, you know, Paul Paul, Paul Brown, Brown stadium, stadium presented by right. Whatever, yeah. which I think should have been with a with a name like Paul Brown Stadium. And granted, the stadium is not a big historic landmark, but you've got the guy who owned the team, yes. who created two NFL franchises yep. on the stadium, and you're yep. just going to throw that away for some cash? You cold-hearted sons of guns. <laughs> you literally are selling your soul after you got to a Super Bowl. Yeah. Is this the extra step you need to go win a Super Bowl? I don't know. I hope you don't get to a Super Bowl now for trashing that name. I I wonder what the fans down there are thinking because, you know, the fans at Heinz Field were not happy with their corporate name that's going on Heinz Field. So I I have not heard. I mean, I just heard this uh, today. I guess you're. Yeah, you said this to me this morning. So I'm. I want to know what is the reaction going to be of uh, Bengals fans. In fact, I know a Bengals fan, uh, and uh, I, I should reach out to him and and ask him what do you think about this uh, 
this naming uh, of the stadium and, and Paul Brown's name not being associated. As I'm anymore. just scrolling through, I mean, you're getting a couple of people who are obviously upset, and the sa- uh, some people saying the same thing I did, like it should have just been uh, Paul Brown Stadium presented by mm-hmm. or Paul Brown f- Stadium at pick or field at whatever. Right. Like, right. It's it's incorporate that somehow. Is sure. What it's looking like that, I could uh, at least accept. People people accusing it being because they're trying to get big and hip. So whatever this app is, which even people are trashing the app. That yeah, I don't even know what what Paycor is. Is is, is it a, a financial app that you have on your phone or something? I have no idea. I don't even know what it is. But uh, I but mean, I hate it. I hate it. And <laughs> I just like I said, I know it's not even a, a historic stadium. It's only been around for what twenty two seasons. Sure, sure. So, but boy, it's just. It is kind of sad to see. And in, in the, I just saw a tweet that said, in the same offseason, we have lost Heinz Field and Paul Brown Stadium. Yeah. And hey, say what you will about Heinz Field's sponsorship, but they've been there since the beginning when right. they built that stadium. Right. So that's a little different. It, it had no other name. It was, you know, it had a corporate name right from the start. And um, so I was fine with that. But man, uh, this this just really hurts me. I, I don't like this at all. Yeah. And some fans will probably still call it uh, Paul Brown Stadium. Yeah. Just like people kept calling the Sky Dome the Sky Dome, even yep. when it was the Rogers Center. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, it looks like a healthy mix of people who are just accepting it, and some people are like, I refuse to call it that stupid name. <laughs> so, <sighs> Okay. All right. Uh, do we have a little correction last week? Oh, uh, what did you screw up last week? Well, last week, you know, we were talking about the Quad City Steam Wheelers. And yeah, I was, congratulations uh, to them. They made it to the IFL Championship. Yep. And I was trying to remember where, they, where their home stadium was, and I thought Illinois? they were playing... Yeah, as it turns out, their stadium is actually in Moline, Illinois, which is across the river from Davenport, Iowa. And I thought they played in Davenport, but now that I recall it, yes, they're in Moline. But I, I knew that there was a, a city in Iowa right across the river from um, from their stadium, and it started with a D, and I kept thinking Des Moines, but I knew it wasn't Des Moines, but I couldn't think of it. So, yes, the correction is the Steam Wheelers play their home games in the I Wireless Center in Moline, Illinois, across the river from Davenport, Illinois. So I uh, just wanted to set that record straight. I know we talked about that last week. And speaking of arena football, there was uh, another game, well, a couple of games that uh, have been posted on Arena Football TV on YouTube last week. But the game I'm uh, most uh, interested in is a 2000 game between the Oklahoma Wranglers and the Wilmo- Milwaukee Mustangs. Now, they only have the first half of this game, but uh, what I like about this game is that the Oklahoma coach was Bob Cortese, who went on to be the Grand Rapids Rampage head coach in 2004. The Milwaukee coach was Rick Frazier, who was also on the staff of the Rampage in 2004 as uh, offensive coordinator, I think. And uh, when Bob Cortese decided uh, he didn't want to be there anymore and just left, uh, Rick Frazier took over. So he was also the head coach of the Rampage in 2004. And the quarterback for Oklahoma during this game was a guy by the name of Jeff Lutz, who went on to play quarterback for the Grand Rapids Rampage in 2004. So that's why I picked up on this game. So many people that have Rampage connections were in this game. Um, uh, you know, Four years later, they'd all be in Grand Rapids. So that was yeah, and they pretty much uh, burned that franchise to the ground. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, I I got to speak to uh, Bob Cortese after some games, and I got to speak to uh, Rick Frazier. And no, not Lewis to not and... to throw him under the bus. Wasn't he a, a really tough guy to like speak to after games? After yeah, a while? there was one game of Bob Cortese, uh, a particularly bad game, and I always uh, uh, would he would come down to the field, and I would be on the field talking to players, talking to the coaches. And I waited for him to uh, 
to get through talking to a kid uh, in a wheelchair and you know, get, I don't know sign a football form or something, and he he took off leaving the stadium, and I literally had to chase him down, and I I ran with him, not ran, but I walked very quickly alongside of him while I tried to get a, a quote or two about the game, but he was not really willing to talk to anybody or stop, so he just kept on walking, and he mm-hmm. walked right out of the stadium, and I went as far as I could, got a, got a few little quotes to use in my article, but man, yeah, he was... I think I remember he that. Was a little, yeah, he was a little uh, difficult to deal with sometimes, but... Uh, but yeah, this was interesting when I saw this game and noticed him and Rick Frazier and, and Jeff Lutz all, <laughs> all uh, playing in this game or being in this game. So it was that was interesting. All right, moving on to today's birthdays for August 9th. Defensive back Deion Sanders turns 55 years old today. He played his college football at Florida State and was the fifth overall pick in the 1989 NFL Draft by the Atlanta Falcons. He played for the Falcons from 89 to 93 the 49ers in 1994, the Cowboys from 95 to 99, the Washington Redskins in 2000. Then he retired for three years before returning to play for the Baltimore Ravens in 2004 and 2005. He was also drafted by the Kansas City Royals in 1985 of Major League Baseball and again in 1988 by the New York Yankees of Major League Baseball. Um, He wound up... Uh, where am I at here? Uh, he played center field from 1989 right. to 2001. <laughs> I got so many facts about him here. I'm yeah. losing my place. <laughs> but, yeah, he played center field uh, in Major League Baseball from 89 to 2001 with the Yankees, Braves, Cincinnati Reds, and the San Francisco Giants. He played in the 1992 World Series uh, for the Atlanta Braves, but he lost uh, his team lost to the Toronto Blue Jays that year. That was the year I was going to go to see my first CFL game. And... Uh, uh, the game I was going to go to got moved a day because uh, uh, the World Series was going on. So I, I had to wait another year and actually, uh, until it worked out that I could actually go to my first CFL game. So um, <clears throat> uh, he won two Super Bowl titles, uh, one with the 49ers and one with the Cowboys. And he's the only person to play in a World Series and a Super Bowl. He's the current head coach of the HBCU Jackson State Tigers and was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2011. Man, that's, See, a, that's quite a resume. I didn't realize guy. that he played so long in Major League Baseball. I knew for a while it was a right. back and forth because like yep. what there was one time where he played in an NFL game and in a Major League game in a day. Isn't that a record too? Uh, probably something like that. Like I didn't know it was that long. Yeah. Up to 2001. Like yeah. Bo, Bo Jackson kind of did the same thing. I think uh, uh, playing baseball and and football, that's just but, insane to me. But uh, yeah, he's how he, that would he was work. good in really in both sports and uh, could have made a career out of either one and uh, obviously did pretty well in both. And then uh, another birthday today, defensive end Aiden Hutchinson turns 22 years old today, played his college football in Michigan, and was the second overall pick by the Detroit Lions in this year's NFL draft. You may not know this, but his sister, Aria, is the current Miss Michigan USA. Wow, I wonder if she'll get brought into hard knocks somehow. I don't know. They had. I saw some pictures online today of her He's got two sisters. You know, he's blonde. His, both of his sisters are blonde. And there was a picture of his two sisters holding him up in the air, you know, holding him in their arms at Ford Field the other day when they had their uh, their practice at Ford Field. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but she, uh, she is the reigning Miss Michigan USA. Hmm. And the last birthday today is quarterback Doug Williams. He turns 67 years old today, played his college football at Grambling State, was the 17th overall pick in the 1978 NFL Draft by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
He played in Tampa from 78 to 82. Then he jumped to the USFL, where he played for the Oklahoma Outlaws in 84, and then they merged with uh, the Arizona Wranglers and became the Arizona Outlaws, and he played in Arizona, uh, Arizona Outlaws in 1985. That's when I got to go see him play against the New Jersey Generals in 1985 out in Arizona. Uh, then he came back to the NFL, where he played with the Washington Redskins from 86 to 89, winning Super Bowl 22 and being named MVP of the Super Bowl. Uh, he was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2001, and he was the head coach at Grambling, where he uh, played in college from 98 to 2003, and again from 2011 to 2013, posting a coaching record of 64 and 42. So, happy birthday to Doug Williams, Aiden Hutchinson, and Dion Sanders. We also have three obituaries to talk about today. This is where we take a moment to honor those who've made the world of football a better place. The first one is Jack Delaplane, a running back in the NFL for four seasons. He's passed away at the age of 68. Delaplane played college football at NAIA Salem College in West Virginia and was selected in the sixth round of the 1976 NFL Draft by the Pittsburgh Steelers. He played in Pittsburgh from 1976 to 1978 before he was traded to the Washington Redskins during the 1978 season. He also played for the Chicago Bears in 79 before tra being traded back to the Steelers uh, to end his playing career. He won two Super Bowl titles with the Steelers, so not a bad uh, short career for him. Okay. And then uh, our second obituary is that of Darren Gilbert, an offensive tackle in the NFL for four seasons, has passed away at the age of 58. Gilbert played college football at Cal State Fullerton and was selected in the second round of the 1985 NFL Draft by the New Orleans Saints. He played for the Saints from 1985 to 1988. And our last obituary today is that of Lars Tate, a running back in the NFL for three seasons. He's passed away at the age of 56. Tate played college football at Georgia and was selected in the second round of the 1988 NFL Draft by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He played with the Buccaneers from 1988 to 1989 and led the team in rushing both seasons. He then played for the Chicago Bears in 1990. However, a pinched nerve ended his playing career midway through the 1990 season. Now, they didn't give the cause of deaths for uh, Darren Gilbert or Lars Tate, but you know, one guy was 56, the other one was 58, so that's that's kind of young, you know, uh -huh. you, so you wonder if, if it was, you know, you don't want to speculate, but uh, you, you wonder what was going on that uh, both of these gentlemen passed away before the age of 60, you know, just a little strange, I think. All right, I know you were looking at your phone, that's why you didn't yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> catch I your, right on the your mark there. on the obituaries, but anything anything we should no, talk we, about? We are good right now, so we can transition into uh, your history lesson. All right, this week's history lesson, we talk about two incidents on the gridiron that led to mandatory face mask usage in football. There was a time when football helmets were not mandatory equipment in college or in the NFL. And there also was a time when face masks were not a mandatory part of a player's equipment either. But two incidents on the gridiron, one in college and one in the NFL, caused both institutions to fundamentally change their thinking in regards to player safety. The first incident occurred in college football on October 20, 1951. Johnny Bright was an African-American quarterback at Drake University. He and his team were on the road taking on Oklahoma A&M, which is today known as Oklahoma State University. 
Drake was 5 and 0, while A&M had a record of just 1 and 3. Very early in the game, Bright handed the ball off to a running back and was standing behind the line of scrimmage watching the play develop. That's when defensive tackle Wilbank Smith of A&M ran up to Bright and punched him in the face with his fist. The punch was so severe that Bright's jaw was broken and eventually had to be wired shut in order to heal. This racially motivated attack was captured in a series of photographs and published on the front page of the Des Moines Register newspaper as well as on the front page of the New York Times. A&M went on to win the game 27-14. Even though he played very little for the rest of that season, Bright still finished fifth in the Heisman Trophy voting in 1951. The second incident occurred two years later on November 15, 1953. The Cleveland Browns were hosting the San Francisco 49ers. In the first half of the game, quarterback Otto Graham was struck in the face by a San Francisco player's elbow. Graham was taken to the locker room where the team trainer had to use 15 stitches to close up a large gash on his cheek. Some NFL teams had been experimenting with clear lucite face masks at the time and there just happened to be some in the Browns locker room. One was attached to Graham's helmet before he left the locker room and returned to the game for the second half. Graham led the team to a 23-21 win that day and improved their record to 8-0 on the season. Both of these incidents showed that face masks of some kind were needed in order to protect players from serious injury. And changes were made by both the NCAA and the NFL within the next few years. Johnny Bright was selected with the fifth overall pick in the 1952 NFL Draft by the Philadelphia Eagles. He instead decided to head north and play pro football in the Canadian Football League. He enjoyed a very successful 14-year career in Canada, where he set many league records playing for the Calgary Stampeders and the Edmonton Eskimos. He led Edmonton to three consecutive Grey Cup titles in 1954, 55, and 56. He retired from the CFL after the 1964 season and remained in Edmonton for the rest of his life, becoming a middle school teacher and a principal. Bright was elected to the Canadian Football Hall of Fame in 1970 and the College Football Hall of Fame in 1984. After his injury in 1953, Otto Graham led the Browns to the championship game that season, where they lost to the Detroit Lions 17-16. Over the course of his career, Graham led the Browns to 10 consecutive championship games, four in the All-America Football Conference and six in the NFL. He won seven of them and retired from the NFL after the 1955 season. He was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1965. It is sad to think that it took the serious injuries of two future Hall of Fame players in order to get face masks mandatory in both college and in the NFL. You know, it's tough to imagine football nowadays with as violent as it can get without face masks. Right, so, yeah. Probably a good call to go with those. Yeah, well, you know, it was many years that uh, nobody had a face mask, and a lot of players didn't want it, you know, didn't want face masks when they, when they came out, and, and a lot of them, uh, you know, refused to wear it. I think it was, like, grandfathered in. So, you know, if you hadn't been, if you'd been playing for years and you didn't have one, you didn't have to. I think Bobby Lane was grandfathered out of that when they made it mandatory. 
Uh, I think it was around 55, 1955. Ah. But, um, yeah, so some players didn't didn't want to use it, and, and others went along with it. So, uh, yeah, you, you just, you don't, you, it's hard to imagine that now, you know, <laughs> playing without a face mask. It's just un, unthinkable. Okay, upcoming events calendar. Uh, today, HBO's Hard Knocks premieres tonight. Featuring the Detroit Lions at 10 o'clock. Uh, yep. HBO. So, yeah, we'll, we're going to watch that tomorrow. and um, Probably put uh, a video up. Yep. We're going to try and put a, our, our own uh, take on the episode after we watch it. Yeah. So, uh, look for that tomorrow. Hopefully, we'll you can get that up tomorrow. Maybe It might oh. take till when? Uh, uh, Thursday? If we do it right, I think I could get it up uh, okay. tomorrow evening. All right. If I work really hard on it and we, <laughs> you know... Get everything knocked out. Mm. I'm debating on watching uh, the episode while I'm at work, just oh. to also give me some extra time to think oh. and prep notes. Well, I wasn't going to watch it till you got home. I figured we'd watch it together. Yeah. So if you if you're going to watch it at work, let me know so I can. Yeah, we'll see. I'll let you know. <laughs> watch it at home. But yeah, and today was also supposed to be the uh, inaugural season, uh, kicking off for the for Major League Football. Uh, four teams, a four week season. I don't think it's going to happen. So, yeah, I, I, we've I haven't saw, heard anything today. There's been some bad news. I saw you a were couple of videos last night where a local TV station in Birmingham, where they, where one of the teams was practicing, uh, was saying that they got thrown out of their hotel or locked out of their hotel. Um, they they had to find their own way to go home. Now this was about a week ago, so I don't know if anything has happened since then to to you know get the season underway today i i really don't know i was looking for tickets you know they, they were going to have the uh ohio what was that ohio force um that was going to play in um, tom benson stadium there at the pro football hall of fame and they had like tickets for sale for three games i, I still could have bought a ticket last night um i forget what uh, through their website i don't know if it was Ticketmaster or what but yeah they were still trying to sell tickets as of last night uh, to these games so i don't know what's going on but I don't think this this league's going to happen. I think they're just going to be another failed footnote in leagues trying to get started and and play in the fall. And and this league, uh, they've been trying to get started for many many years, and uh, it, something always comes up, and they keep postponing, postponing. And they were going to have teams all over the country, and now they were down to four teams. So I I really don't think this is going to happen. But if they do play, we'll we'll have scores for you. Yeah. <laughs> I just did a search on Twitter. I can't find nothing. Yeah, so. that, their their website is... Gone. I wouldn't even talk about it at this yeah. point. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, Wednesday, August 10th, tomorrow, Season 2 of Eli's Places debuts on ESPN+. Plus. I know you didn't like that as much as I, Peyton's Places. But I think I, I watched really one or good. two Eli's Places. Mm. It just... He had some good stuff. He, I'm sure the the content's fine. It's just his personality versus Peyton. I just true was a little. You know, it's so di- like when they're together, that's one thing. But when it's just him, not really a fan. I, yeah. I just you know. But he had some interesting stuff. I mean, he went to where the very first college football game was played. You know, yeah. Rutgers versus. I saw the uh, one with uh, him and Nick Saban. Like that was okay. Oh, I, yeah. I wasn't floored with that episode. So. But I mean, he, the, the subject materials that he he has are really good. Hey, and that's all that matters. Sometimes yeah. you just got to get a host. Yeah, you know, fascinating stuff so, to watch and and places he's going to. Uh, Saturday, August thirteenth, the IFL Championship game: Quad City Steamwheelers versus the Northern Arizona Wranglers in Las Vegas. That same night, it's going to be the National Arena League Championship game. The Carolina Cobras are going to be playing at the Albany Empire. And so I think we're we'll both on games. opposite sides of both games. I'm I'm taking the Wranglers over the Steam oh. Wheelers in the well, indoor. That's who I'm rooting for. I mean, yeah. I'm well. I'm taking the Wranglers. Who are you taking? Um, 
I don't know. I I just want the Steam Wheelers to win. Okay, so you're rooting. Okay, so you're taking the Steam Wheelers. Yeah, All right, I and guess. then in the National Arena League, as much as I like Albany, I'm kind of pulling for and thinking the Cobras will take it. No, nah, Albany at home. No, they'll win that game. I don't I know. So. I'm willing to bet uh, kicking you <laughs> off the show for another week to, to do that. And then uh, next Tuesday, August sixteenth. Our fifth anniversary spectacular. Oh my God, have we been together that long? <laughs> yeah, completing five seasons of doing this, so only missing a handful of shows in well, five years. Well, you missing. We we were on a break for a few weeks, yeah, we which did we should do more often. By 237 way. straight weeks without a missing a show. Then we took a little break for five weeks, and then after that I missed another one, uh, which you and your brother yeah. uh, filled in so hey for me 257 complete episodes is exciting for me <laughs> 256 for you i mean whatever i mean but no what i'm planning to do next week uh, we're not going to do a history lesson next week but we are going to have highlights from uh, not just last year but uh, all of our seasons i'm going to pick one highlight from our, our first year one from the second third and fourth so we're going to have at least one highlight of something that happened uh, i'll guarantee it'll be the clip of our first show because of how <laughs> no, bad that audio so. quality was <laughs> i don't think so because we've done this every year. We've, we've done uh, highlights of the previous year on every one of our anniversary shows. So I just want to include something from the first four years. Uh, and then I, we've got like four, five, or six from this past season. So we'll get all those out there next uh, next week. So look for our recap show and uh, uh, some of our highlights and lowlights of yeah. the past year. <laughs> uh, let's see. Tuesday, September 6th was supposed to be the Major League, uh, Major League Football Championship game in Canton. That's uh, probably not going to happen, so I'll probably take that off the list. And then Thursday, September 8th, the NFL regular season We're less than a month away. With the Buffalo Bills at the L.A. Rams. Less than a month. We and got a pre- then we're off. We got a preseason game on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So everything's it's back. Yep. No, There will be no Sundays from here till February <laughs> without football. Yeah. So... Yeah, we, and we've still talked about going to a, a CFL game. I don't know if it's going to happen this year or not. It's going to be but, tough. But, uh, boy, I, I, we should do it earlier in the season next year instead of waiting for August. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, with your work schedule, it's kind of hard because a lot of their games uh, in Toronto and in Hamilton come on a Thursday night yeah. or a Friday night, you know, where you know I'm looking for just Saturday night games where on a, hopefully a weekend when you're not working because we can drive to either one on a Saturday, spend the night there, see the game, and then come back on Sunday. You don't have to miss any work. I can go any day of the week, but yeah, I'm trying to work around being you retired must and be nice. the CFL schedule. So uh, it's been a little bit difficult, but, boy, I want to get back there for a, a CFL game here sometime soon. All right, anything else before we call this no, a show? No, no breaking news as of right now, but like we say every week, it always breaks when we turn oh, off the yeah, mics. Yeah, so many things came out just today. You know, Tuesday is a big day for news. And uh, Are you uh, saying we should move the podcast to Wednesdays now? No. No, this works better for us. Or for me, anyway. All right. This is all about you, Randy, and your 256 episodes. You are darn right. Well, that's all the time we've got for this week. If you learned something during this podcast about the incredible amount of diversity that exists in the world of football, then we've done our job. Visit our website at theworldoffootball.com for news, links, upcoming events, videos, and more. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. You can also like The World of Football on Facebook at TWOF Kalamazoo. You can also follow our Twitter, which is at TWOF Kalamazoo. New episodes of this podcast are posted every Tuesday and are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and 
the whole audio version of the podcast is up on our YouTube channel, which is The World of Football Kalamazoo, if you look for it on YouTube. So please come subscribe, rate, review, give us a like, and leave us your comments as we also endeavor into our weekly recaps of Hard Knocks featuring the Detroit Lions starting tomorrow. Um, not really, We don't really even have a game plan. We're just going to wing it tomorrow and see mm-hmm. what kind of format we come down with. But like I said at the top of the show, if you add us on Twitter, and maybe we'll have to post something on Twitter, add us, use the hashtag Hard Knocks, and give us your thoughts on the episode. Maybe we'll feature you guys on the show. And add Yeah, them. we'd love to know what everybody else thinks. I mean, we've got our opinions. Uh, I'm or sure we'll, we're going to like it. Or but... we'll just start pulling a bunch of randos uh, quotes <laughs> about Hard Knocks. I'm down with that, too. <laughs> and remember, folks, some people may love football more than we do, but nobody, and I mean nobody, loves more football than we do. Until next time, I'm Randy Snow. And I'm apparently sleepy still. God, I've been yawning all day. What is up? It's you and that stupid job. Be, get retired like no, me. No, no, no. I think it's... I literally have not had a lot of caffeine today. That might be what it is. I kind of been caffeineless today. Mm. So, well, there's your problem. Is. Have a Mountain Dew and go take a nap. Uh, <laughs> I'll take my nice cold Zevia, please. Ooh. We'll see you all next week. <laughs>